This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're far better for you. Just one bar has between 130 and 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, and between three and seven grams of sugar. And you can capitalize on this by using our code BIGSHOTS, all one word, for your next Built Bar purchase to get 10% off. Built Bar, join the team. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hernishan, joined as always by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scout and Devin Jackson, and making his return to the podcast. We haven't had him on in a long time from Bleach Report. It's our guy, Connor Rogers. Connor, how you doing today, man? Good, guys. Good to be catching up again. I feel like it's been almost a year, I would it say. It feels it's funny. like it. Yeah, it feels like about a year. So you know what that means. That means we're officially in the season, uh, the draft <laughs> season, that is. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember because we we tried for months to make it work in terms of the first time. And I looked, we actually had you on in March. So it's yeah, been about, about 10 months. It's sad because we've still been in quarantine this entire time. That's uh, wild. <laughs> that is crazy when you think of it like that, how fast this is all gone that we're coming up on like a calendar year. We went through an entire draft. We went through an entire season. And here we are. And really not much has changed. Um. So yeah, just we wanted to have you on. I mean, I I know our listeners are dying to hear from Connor and Rogers with the lack of there being a stick to football outlet for them. So uh, Devin and I got some questions for you. A couple of draft related questions, a couple of uh, of Jets related questions because that is your jam. So uh, Devin, I'm gonna let you uh, let you get started. Yeah. So uh, I saw on Twitter you had watched recently Jalen Darren, the receiver out of North Texas. Uh, I just was curious to hear your thoughts on him. What did you think kind of his game and and just who he is as a player? Yeah, so I saw your tweet, Devin, and, and I think a lot of our views align in terms of scouting him. You know, the first thing that probably jumps out to you is the speed. It's, you know, he's, he's a smaller guy. He's probably going to come in. I think he can get up to 180, even though I think the school lists him at 174 right now. So you're talking about uh, somebody that he's played, I think, 80% of his snaps or so out of the slot. And you do see him win on the outside, which is exciting. But he, he's going to play at the, in the slot at the next level. More of a traditional slot receiver at that size. But he does what the NFL loves right now, and that he can win downfield. And he doesn't just win downfield with speed, but he can win downfield by tracking the football and bringing it in. And I think that's going to excite a lot of teams. And you look at it, you know, his early career – the numbers were just okay. And this year in a shortened season, he really blew up and, and he was the guy and he has some dominating performances handful of games over 200 yards uh, can be a double digit catch kind of player. So when watching him, he just explodes off the line of scrimmage and, and yes, he's small the NFL corners will try to get their hands on him. But honestly, I think he's twitchy enough, quick enough that the name of his game is separating. And if you could do that, you know, the way I was taught to scout receivers from the ground up is, they got to check one of two boxes from the beginning and everyone else is an outlier. And, and one of those two things is, can they separate or are they really fast? And fortunately for Darden, he actually checks both of those. Right. And it seems like such a simple equation when you hear that, but it really does matter. There's guys at the college level that can just separate, but there's also guys that really are not polished route runners or polished releases, but you know, they're going to run four, three, five. And you think an NFL coaching staff can get them there. I think what makes you feel good about Darden, is he the most polished guy? Absolutely not. But does that speed exist where it's working at that level? Absolutely. So I'm excited about him. Uh, I think he could very well be a top 100 player. Very early vibes, but I saw some Keelan Cole in his game. I, I feel like somebody that he just wins so quickly in that size profile and 
you know, pretty good hands, some drops on film, but good enough for the targets that he was consuming. So I'm excited about him. And, and I think a lot more people will be talking about him in what I think is a very special slot wide receiver class. Yeah. When I, I mean, Devin was the first one to get me on uh, Jalen Darden. And the first thing he tells me is, you know, you didn't watch Darnell Mooney last year. So you don't want to miss on a guy like this the second year in a row. And again, I think he's a little bit faster than Mooney, but I get kind of those same vibes from watching Mooney at the pro level. Cause obviously I missed him coming out of Tulane last year. Um, and given how well that Mooney's played, I doubt there's a chance that, uh, that Darden slip into round five. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's funny. You had me looking and, and I missed on Mooney too. I'm looking back and I had him in the top of the sixth round. And, and I know the NFL wasn't exactly, you know, obviously in love with him. It's not like he went in the top two rounds when you look back at his draft stock and the size is really the same. He went in the fifth round. So, but I, I kind of like bringing him up because you look at the size profile. It's, it's the same. Mooney's a guy that's around 5'10", 175, and he's going to run sub 4'4". When you look at Darden, pretty much the same thing. I, I mean, somebody that's probably going to run in that 4'4", 4'3", kind of range, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he even surprises us and goes a little quicker. So I think it's a name that is going to rise. Now, receivers are interesting to me because – it feels like there's always a guy or two that, that go a middle to late day three every year that can make an impact right away because what you're looking at is, you know, where they held back. And, and the North Texas offense doesn't really hold people back. I want to make that clear. I mean, you could put up some huge numbers in that offense, but I do think there's some meat on the bone. There's times where he's open and, and quite frankly, the ball just can't get there. And that's what happens when you're playing at a level of program like that, when the name of your game is winning downfield. So he's somebody that if we get workouts this year, which hopefully we do, and not just combine workouts, I'm saying private workouts or teams, uh, they might see a little more in him than what they even saw on tape. Yeah, I was going to say uh, you could tell on tape that there were just times where he separated and there was no one within 15, 20 yards of him, but they just didn't have the quarterback or the athletes to really get the ball down the field to him. <clears throat> and I was surprised they didn't use him more in like jet sweep motion and, and trying to get him on screens more too as well. I agree with you. It was something that interested me when watching him. You could tell he's a focal point of the passing attack, but then you sit there and go, well, the level of playmaker he is, that speed profile he has, you would think that he would be, you know, they're trying to get the ball in his hands really at any level program. I don't just not North Texas. I think any, you know, power five, I think any program would be like, how do we find a way to get the ball in this guy's hands? And I agree with you from the handful of games that I already watched. And two of them were games where he had over 200 yards receiving they really don't do that. Not a lot of creativity. And Hey, can, can we get him in motion? Can we use the jet sweep? Can we get a reverse going? Uh, you know, even a direct snap, something like that. So I agree with you that, you know, maybe there's some more value there for him just purely as an offensive weapon than just as a receiver inside or outside. Yeah. Uh, one thing I want to touch on, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, combine offseason workouts it's been a lot of up in limbo uh i know right now i think due to i think it might be statewide that the combines listed as like basically questionable or probable like it's coming off an injury list is there any update that maybe you've heard from sources in terms of what would happen if there isn't a combine i'm curious to see where this one goes but because before it was announced publicly that it was questionable i had heard rumblings that they'll find a way to get it done no matter what and and maybe that's still happens but in those in that phrase in that term that can mean a lot of different things right that can mean something like no media that could mean something like you can send and this is me spitballing ideas mm -hmm. but things i think that are realistic 
three people from a team, right? Can you send a GM, a director, and, and maybe one of your scouts? Like, I, you guys have been, like we talked about at the top of this, th- this pandemic has been going on long enough where, you know, it feels like the name of the game. And one of the main things is, is just numbers everywhere, right? Limited capacity at restaurants, limited capacity here or there. Why should the combine be any different, right? I just think it's, you know, as somebody that has gone to the combine the last couple of years, the most jarring thing to me was, especially since I'd been going to the senior bowl longer before that, is the difference of volume that teams send. The senior bowl, it feels like you get a select squad unless your staff is handling coaching a team. But when you get to the combine, everyone's there. I I mean, you're talking alarming numbers of guys in team gear, faces that you recognize because it's GM directors, assistants. Uh, I I mean, and then every area scout. Like, I wonder if that's a direction they have to go. A no-brainer to me, because quite frankly, it's, you know, they like the media being there. It's not a media event in terms of, we're not down on the field shooting stuff with our cell phone, asking guys questions besides when they're on the podium. It's the only time that you, they go on the podium, but those pressers realistically, realistically can all be done virtual. So my stance on it is, do I think it's going to happen? Yes, because the NFL gets things done when they view it as necessary and they view the combine as necessary and not even just the testing numbers, but the medicals. That's the most important aspect for all NFL teams when they're looking at the combine is getting those medicals done. So maybe it's not the combine we're necessarily used to seeing, but getting one done, it, I would imagine is a priority. It could just look a little different. Yeah, for sure. It, it's definitely something that uh, we've been keeping an eye out for and, and trying to figure out, you know, what's going to happen with that. And, and kind of going hand to hand with the combine, uh, the quarterback class, we know that Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, um, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields are, are probably some of the top quarterbacks. But now we had guys like Carson Strong, um, some other guys like Brock Purdy that decided to go back to school. Uh, who are some of the the tier two guys? Uh, obviously, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask would be in the mix. But some of those other guys that may not necessarily be going day one, but someone that could go day two, day three, that has really intrigued you through this process. Well, for a while, it was Desmond Ritter, and obviously that, like you said at the top, guys are going back to school, and I don't know if it's just me or if you guys feel the same, but it's been alarming the amount of guys that are going back to school this year, and and I guess I shouldn't be surprised. It would be naive of me to be surprised because the NFL might not be as friendly with their gradings because it usually goes first round, second round, go back to school. And if you don't have a lot of tape or, you know, a lot of different factors can play into it, you might not be getting the responses that you want to hear. So I've been a little surprised with how many players are going back, but maybe that's just me being once again, a little naive to it, that this is a different year. And quite frankly, I think it's evaporated. Now, do I have work left to do? Absolutely. Cause we're sitting here in January, but I think it's evaporated uh, the tier three quarterback class, right? Because I think when you look at it, Ritter was someone that had all the tools to make it work and you're going to do a second viewing of the tape and you're going to see what was left out on the field, but you know, you're going to like the way his athleticism is, his arm is, and a lot of different things. And maybe there's some mechanical cleanups you could do to take him to the next level that who knows, he might've been able to push his way into the top 40. I mean, he has that much talent. Now I think going back to school is a good job for a good idea for him because one, this is a quarterback class to avoid. If you're a guy like Desmond Ritter or Brock Purdy, where, you know, we know what Trevor Lawrence is. We know Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance, in my opinion, will be top 10 picks. That's a lot of talent in the quarterback class at the top. Then you get into Kyle Trask and Mac Jones, who 
I'm personally not a fan of in terms of like, I think one of them will go in the first round. I, when you take a quarterback in the first round to me as a GM, you're betting on that guy to be your franchise guy. And I don't grade Mac Jones and Kyle Trask as those kind of guys. Now, once again, every scheme and, and team fit and what you have around them is different, right? Like, so I think that matters when you take into account here, but I do think that that tier two of the quarterback class outside of, cause you've gotten away from those top six, I just mentioned it has hurt it. I think Purdy really struggled this year. I think the accuracy issues and, and facing pressure was not good. Uh, I think he could really use a, another, you know, another year in a program that has a lot of uh, sustainability, right? Charlie Kohler's going back to school. Matt Campbell's coming back as the head coach. You know, obviously they have one of maybe I think the best running back in the entire country. There's a lot of reasons for Brock Purdy to go back to school. So I haven't found that guy yet, quite frankly, that that really, really excites me. Uh, Sam Ellinger hasn't really done it for me, and that's been the case for a long time. So when you look at it, it's going to become a conversation centered around Kyle Trask and Mac Jones that I think are round two players. I think uh, can they manage your offense and, and come in and, and do enough when you have the right pieces around them? Probably. Can they play out of structure? I don't really think so. Not nearly as much as the top four guys uh, is that, you know, Mac Jones, I think has been very accurate, which is exciting and a reason he's moved up for me. Uh, Trask, I don't think has the strongest arm in the world. And I think that'll be, you know, highlighted a little bit at the next level, right? The throws that he might get away with in college might necessarily go the same way in the NFL. And once again, it's not sitting here and just knocking those two guys. Cause if you're in round two, you're a good prospect, right? Like I didn't even have Daniel Jones in round two, I had him in round three. So and Daniel Jones was taken in the top 10 as his, and as a starter and we'll see how the rest of that goes, but it's just a point. This can go a lot of different directions. So I like that you brought up the quarterback class because it's something that we just haven't really talked about enough, but I, I really personally feel for me, a lot of the juice was taken out of the back end of it when Ritter went back to school. Uh, and quick question before uh, uh, Mike uh, answer, uh, ask, you some, ask you the next question. Uh, Shane Bouchelle, Kellamon, any of those guys really intrigue you? Spencer Sanders uh, even? Yeah. Yeah. It, so I think for me, it would be Bouchelle, even though he's the undersized guy of the group and has big numbers. I think the throws are all there on tape. Um, I, I think I'm looking, go for, looking forward to going back and watching him again this year because I came out of summer thinking, okay, Bouchelle – can be a riser. He can be somebody that can become something in this class that can, you know, maybe be a, a day two or around four kind of guy. Now, when you look at Kellen Mond, I just can't get past the inconsistencies. And, and you know, I remember him because at BR, we covered so much recruiting. I remember him being a big deal as a recruit and being excited about the running ability, being excited about the arm strength. Now it's funny to me with Kellen Mond, if you cut up his top 10 best plays in college, it, you might sit there and you stack them next to the top guys, you might be like, well, why isn't this, if you showed it to someone that's never seen him play before, they'd be like, well, why isn't this guy in the top 10 as well? The problem is the lows are just, it's a headache. You know what I mean? It's just not consistent play. Um, I do think he's somebody that can do himself a lot of favors in the process, whether it's interviews, whether it's how he runs, because I think mobility, you know, we're seeing the NFL become a league where guys are getting a little bit more creative at the goal line and, and going to a second quarterback. And, and maybe that's a role for him early on. And I shouldn't say we're seeing them go to it because remember eight to 10 years ago, you know, the Niners did it with Kaepernick where, you know, starter comes off the field, Kaepernick has his own package and eventually he developed into a good starting quarterback. So it, it that's kind of the route I see for Mons where I'm, 
it's, you know, it's hard for me to expect him to do enough where you're saying, Hey, we can get past all of these inconsistencies because they just add up too much. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a look at my board now and uh, you mentioned the top six. And then for me, I have uh, like Jones and Trask, like you do second, you know, in the early third. And then I have like a two and a half round drop to my next quarterback. It, it, it's a steep hill. And even then we're unsure because Spencer Sanders hasn't declared. Uh, last I checked, Shane Bouchelle hasn't declared. So it's a big, big question mark. Now, getting away from the draft, you are unfortunately like our like our good buddy Clay Smarlack, also a uh, tortured Jets fan. Uh, man, I wish that they had the number one pick so that you could get Trevor. Um, but now that uh, Adam Gase is finally gone, it feels like he was there forever, even though it was only two years. You still haven't uh, sorry, the team still hasn't announced a, a head coach, and obviously two first round picks, and is it two second round picks as well? Or so they have two firsts two threes and two fives, and then they have an extra first um, next year, the oh, following okay. year. So kind of building off of that, one, what have you heard for the Jets in terms of the head coach? Who would you like to get as the head coach? And then just those first three picks, where would you like to see the team go? So I think the one I hear the most about, and it's not surprising at this point of the process, is Robert Sala from the 49ers. I think when you look at – Sala, he fits all the descriptions that Joe Douglas lists. CEO, leader type, energy, you know, can manage both sides of the ball, can manage a staff, bring in a staff, you know, grab a Kyle Shanahan assistant like Mike LaFleur. So I think Sala makes the most sense for the Jets right now. I think my gut feeling on the situation is that Arthur Smith is a guy that they've also brought in for a round two. Uh, we'll probably go to the Atlanta Falcons, which I think is a good, a really good landing spot for him. And when you look at the rest of the guys, it, it just doesn't really, you know, I like Joe Brady. I think he's a great play caller. Um, I think once again, it would be a surprise if you, you, you know, pound the table for a CEO leader type and you hire someone that's a little bit more quiet reserve 31 year old. So I think Sala makes the most sense. I think it gives them an identity. I think they, you know, they bring in Michael LaFleur and run that Kyle Shanahan offense. I think they can get the outside zone running game going. I think they have options on the table that, you can give it a go again with Sam Darnold, who everybody believes his skill set fits best in Shanahan's offense, which is very opposite of Adam Gase. A lot of things Adam Gase has done with him. And then you you go to the draft and you look at, you know, Salah's scheme has evolved over the years, but and I don't want to make this just about Salah because it's no lock to get tired, but his scheme has evolved really from a classic cover three to a lot of different looks, but you're going to need pass rushers. So I think for the Jets – you know, should they go quarterback at two? I would. I, I think if you were building that offense, I would take Zach Wilson. I think that fit is pretty seamless. And then you're looking at the classic Joe Douglas stalwarts of, you know, building the offensive line. Sure, they hit on Mekhi Becton, but you need the interior. You need a, a number one corner. You need a number one pass rusher on the edge to play next to Quinn and Williams, who had a really strong year. So, the Jets acquired all those picks because they have a lot of areas to fix, a lot of needs. Now, I think they'll go into free agency looking to solve interior offensive line. It's a huge problem for them this year. You know, Joe Tooney from the Patriots comes to mind. They wanted him last year. He got franchise tagged at the deadline. Uh, it probably hurt some of their plans. So when you look at it for the Jets, I think it's, you know, is it a little boring? Yes, but I think after the Adam Gase era, boring and safe can be a little good for the New York Jets. So you know, we're going to talk a lot about Darnold versus taking Fields or Wilson. You know, those conversations are going to evolve. And quite frankly, I think if they do stick with Darnold, because I said 
you know, the most obvious to me is to take a quarterback. They stick with Darnold. I think they look to trade that pick. The number two pick in this draft, teams will want Fields or Wilson. You can get a haul, and maybe we're not talking about the Jets with an extra first, but maybe we're talking about the Jets with an extra two first-rounders, another second-round pick, and more, and I think that's pretty exciting. That has me very excited because as an Eagles fan, I just know what I'm in for over the next three years. But then again, you've also faced that as a Jets fan for like five. Hey, you got that Super Bowl. So you we could, did. You can take did. the foot off the gas. We, yeah, exactly. $78 million over the cap or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> Insane. Allowing Howie Roseman to once again uh, probably bungle the first round pick. Not that I'm bitter at all. Uh, <laughs> do, do we have time for one more question, though? Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, uh, last question here. Um, who is a player that is not going to be around one guy, but someone that you've watched early so far that maybe not many people are talking about, but someone that, that could be uh, a really good pro? Uh, for me, it's Dwayne Eskridge. I think when you look at him coming out of Western Michigan, you know, he's flopped these you know, flip flopped around. It. Between good, between corner and wide receiver, I think the skills are there to be a, a very talented game breaking wide receiver. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you Eskridge should be in the Waddle conversation or something crazy like that. But, you know, for a guy that's projected for round six, the speed is phenomenal. Uh, once again, with the ball in his hands, he's explosive and it's not speed, it's acceleration as well to go from, you know, not just zero to 60, but really that 60 to 100. He just, he has incredible buildup. And I think he's someone that because, you know, the position switch, people might be sleeping on him a little bit. But personally, from what I've seen, and I know you guys watch it as much as anyone, you know, especially the Maction, he took over games this year, right? And, you know, we have this problem, not we, but a lot of people have this problem where they see a 5'9 wide receiver that has explosive speed underneath or over the top. But he wins at the catch point, too, for his size. And, and that's what really excites me. So I think Eskridge is someone that, you know, I'm not going to pretend that I, I know where everyone's mocking him. I would imagine everybody views him as a round six or seven player right now. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if I come out and have a round three or four grade on him and feel pretty good about his role at the next level. Yeah. yeah uh, early, oh. I was going to say, yeah, right now I get a fourth round grade on him. I just think that. Uh, me and Mike both have watched him, and I had him in my initial wide receiver rankings, and I, I think that probably surprised a lot of people because he's, like you said, he's in the MAG, not necessarily the biggest conference, Power Five conference, but there, there are some guys there that uh, definitely are going to get drafted and, and make a immediate contribution. And you're not uh, even the first yeah. guest we've had that's been a big Dwayne Eskridge guy. We had uh, Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports who – Nice. Eric's also, great. Oh, Eric's fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, I don't have any more questions, Devin, if, if you, if you do go ahead, uh, but if not again, thank you so much for coming on Connor, uh, look very forward to seeing what's next for you over at Bleach Report. Um, hope to, in about a week or so, get some virtual beers with you down at the senior bowl. Cause neither of us are traveling down. Uh, don't know. Same. Unfortunately, I will not yeah. be there this year. First time Same. in a long time. Um, you know, obviously travel restrictions work related and, and uh, you know what? I love the Senior Bowl. It's a phenomenal event. I love seeing everyone, which wouldn't have been possible this year. Uh, you know, it's obviously not safe to be out in bars and, <laughs> and, you know, doing our usual nonsense. And 
uh, you know, getting that, it's great that they're doing that where you can get your hands on the practice tape. It's the equivalent of being there watching practice, maybe even better, mm-hmm. not sneaking around the bleachers looking for a better view. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have to do like a virtual, a virtual after senior bowl kind of thing, but I'm with you all the way on that. Yeah, I am. I am definitely someone that is trying to arrange as many virtual beers, uh, basically create a Vitz like environment. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Safety of our own homes. Um, again, thank you so much for coming on, Connor. Uh, anything you want to plug before you get out of here? Uh, I got some exciting stuff coming from Bleacher Report pretty soon, and and I think it's going to launch, you know, right around the combine. I, I can't get into details yet, yeah, but I for think sure. anybody that's followed our draft coverage, um, you know, and of course the draft. We're always going to do the draft. It's going to get bigger and better every year. So I'm really excited. I mean, I miss talking about this stuff every day. You know, as much as I am. I'm hiding in this office here and watching film and just waiting to unleash all of the takes at once. Um, you know, I do miss doing it where it's like, ah, I got to say a lot of stuff three times a week. And, and I think it's, it's going to get back to, um, you know, a, a better pace of that soon. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, what, what's your Jets related podcast again? Oh, Badlands. Yes, Badlands. I am doing that because there's a lot of miserable nonsense to spew <laughs> on that. So I think that's really fun. Um, yeah, so I, I am doing that. I can't lie. So I'm on air. It's just a little different. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Appreciate you coming on. Take care, man. All right, guys. Thank you.